Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant. Thank you for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. Today, we're going to be talking about the intolerance of the LGBT community, not only toward Christians, but toward former gays and lesbians and transgenders who left that lifestyle. We'll also talk a little bit about politics. Now, Christians are still struggling, and we might be some of us for a while, with what happened last year, particularly with the election and the outcome and the leftist power grab in our culture. And also, we are going to tackle the sad story of Ravi Zacharias and the fall of Christian leaders. Um, that's one of the most disturbing things that I wanted to get more information before we talked about it. That's why we waited a week or two. But um, our guest today, we'll get to him in a minute, but uh, George Carneal is with us. Glad to have him back. But let's open in prayer as we always do and just ask for God to help us sift through everything that's happening and keep the faith. Uh, Lord God, that's really what we want to do. We want to see things from a biblical perspective, and please give us your heart. Please soften our hearts that are so easily hardened and help us not to become bitter, Lord. Help us not to become resentful. Father, help us to learn from the past. Help us to be led by your Holy Spirit and to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our own personal lives before we point the fingers, before we expose the darkness, Help us, Lord, make sure that we are walking in the truth and help us to love you and love our neighbors and show us how to do that in practical ways. We need you, Lord, more than ever today, and we thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. We also thank you that if you are for us, who can be against us? So, Father, we recognize your faithfulness, that you are great, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So help us apply what we know from your word, which is truth. Help us to apply that to our, not only our circumstances, but our culture and our country. And God, help believers, true believers in Christ, to never give up and to never stop fighting the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we have George Carneal back with us. We had him on a couple times. We talked a little bit about his book, From Queer to Christ, his journey into the light, meaning away from the LGBT lifestyle, which he lived for 25 years. Well, praise God, he is one that he, the Lord broke through and saved him, pulled him out of that, got him out of that environment, and now he's influencing other people and sharing his story. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, how the LGBT community has responded to him and others like him. George Carneal, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me back. All right, you're very welcome. Now, your book, uh, people can get that on Amazon. Also, your website, georgecarneal, C-A-R-N-E-A-L.com. Um, and you've uh, done a lot of interviews. And you, I think you were doing some uh, talking to people and putting them up on YouTube. And, and uh, what are you doing ministry-wise? I know you've been... Like many of us going through a hard time of disillusionment, I guess, with uh, politics, at least in America, which we'll get to. But I just want to get an update on what's on your heart and what's been going on with your life and ministry. Uh, I find that a lot of the ministry work is really with parents who contact me and also pastors whose children are going into the life. And they are just not only devastated, but they are at a loss as to how to help their loved ones. And I just try to spend time talking to them and giving them some encouragement. Um, I know for pastors it's difficult because, as you know, David, when you are in a, a leadership position, uh, Christians put you on a pedestal and they expect you to be perfect and there should be nothing wrong with your family. So imagine when a pastor is dealing with this issue and, and it's hard to come out and and talk about this mm. for fear of repercussions and judgment and, and gossip. And that's often a theme that I feel with many of the parents who reach out to me when I ask them, do you have people within the church that you can 
talk to and to pray for your children, they will hands down tell me, no, I don't trust Christians. Mm. And it's really a sad state that we have, uh, that we eat our on when really we should be able to lift each other up and encourage each other and be able to say, this is what I'm struggling with at this point. And we all pray for each other. Um, it's really sad. But um, aside from that, just continuing to do media interviews and just trying to sound the alarm. Now, um, you recently, I want to pull this up here because I found out you were speaking at a conference over the weekend, um, and it's, it's called Reclaim It. And I'm looking at some of the people that were there, and we've had them on the show, uh, people like, uh, uh, let's see, um, uh, Walt Heyer, former transgender, also Laura Perry, who's in this new documentary called In His Image. And uh, you're there, and this just took place Saturday. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it went? And it, it, it says it's our mission to equip the church to discern the false narratives undergirding the LGBTQ culture and how to best help individuals trapped in this false identity. Tell us more about that, George. The conference was amazing. It was far beyond what I could have expected. With We were getting different viewpoints, not only from former lesbian, gay, and transgender individuals, but with Dr. Michelle Pritella and Dr. Judith Reisman and Walt Heyer and so many people bringing different perspectives from a legal standpoint, from a medical standpoint, really exposing the lies of the transgender agenda, etc. And I really feel... I, I, it saddens me to think that most of the world who will not be able to hear every one of these testimonies, how it would really have equipped the church to better be able to respond to those individuals who are in that bondage, but when they get ready to walk out of that life and walk into a church, that people would be more equipped with the information in terms of how to help these individuals. I want Christians to know that they are not too far gone, and God has not given up on them. As long as they are breathing, there is hope. And God is doing the work in the LGBT community. We are seeing it because so many LGBT individuals, at least from my point of view, are they're contacting me from all around the world and stating how miserable they are and they want out of that life. They just don't see a way out. So I'm asking the Christians and the pastors to really uh, arm yourself with this information and bring people like myself and so many others who've come out of that life into the church or via video because of COVID but to at least just give Christians some insight into this information and how to best help these individuals, because I believe there is going to be a revival in the LGBT community. And the church at this point, I feel, is ill-equipped to deal with the onslaught of the individuals who may come out of that life and walk into the church. And I want to encourage Christians to please have the heart of Christ and don't give up on these individuals. I want to just repeat what you just said. Encourage Christians to have the heart of Christ and don't give up on these individuals. Um, it's they've bought into a lie and they're hurting and they've they've believed a false identity about themselves that is not not only is it not biblical, but it's just so far from the heart of God because He loves them and created them in His image, and yet they're feeling like God. If there is a God, they're feeling like they that God hates them. But I quoted uh, Dr. Judith Reisman and uh, Walt Heyer and Michelle Cretella, um extensively. Her, I quoted Michelle Cretella in my last book about four years ago called Redefining Truth. I wrote a lot about the transgender uh, ideology, and wow, uh, what a flip on its head from what God says in his word and, and his heart as far as creation. But, George, I want to go back to something you said, and this is something you shared in an email with me last week, but I also come up with an article here. It's called A Letter to Christian Conservatives or Conservative Churches in America. It says Christians everywhere are questioning how to respond to the rising tide of LGBTQ pride. Now, we know that the Bible condemns same sex behavior and that homosexuality has a negative impact on our culture. I think most believers would at least nod their heads and agree with that. But this article says today there's a crisis among those of us who have exercised obedience to our faith and left LGBTQ behind, it says this is now, understand this, friends, this is a very real um, happening in our culture, in our country today. It says we are being forced deeper and deeper underground. Our voices and stories are being suppressed. Romans 1 talks about suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. 
and it says avenues of care and discipleship are being abandoned. Um, so, George, your thoughts? I know we talked in our last interview with you about the fact that the churches are not equipped to really minister to a lot of these people that have, are broken. We're all broken, right? At least at some point we've been broken to come to God, to come to Christ. But some of these people are still living in that brokenness, even though they have come to Christ. They're still living in that brokenness because they don't they don't have that support around them. Can you share what you have learned, and also what you see as a solution? Okay, I'll try to make this brief. <laughs> no, it's a okay. Our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's so much going through my mind right now. Um, I want Christians to understand that when we walk out of that life and walk into the church, it is imperative that we have a, a new family, an extended family, because at least for me, I spent 25 years in that life, and that was my world, that was my family, that was my identity. And when we leave that life, most of the LGBT individuals turn on us and drop us. And so if you don't have family around, when you walk into a church, you need some kind of support. And that's why I think so many of them fall back into that life, because they're so lonely and broken and hurting, and they don't get the support that they need. Additionally, when a pastor stands on the, at the pulpit and rails about the sins of homosexuals. There's not the same amount of venom toward the heterosexual sins as it is the homosexual sins. Mm. And they need to understand, at least if a pastor had said to me, this is how we stand on homosexuality, let me sit down and show you what God's Word has to say it, and share it with that individual in love. But then turn around and say, but let me give you some hope today. This is what God did for you. This is what Jesus did for you on the cross. And God formed you in the womb, and He knew you in the womb. And give them scriptures that really show them how much God not only loves them, but really personalized God's love and, and how much He wants to have a relationship with them. And really put the cross under a magnifying glass and say, look, this is what Jesus did for you. This is how much He loves you. And give these people hope and point them towards the cross and, and to focus on the eternal reward. Because when I talk to LGBT individuals who are in such despair, I remind them this pain and suffering and this struggle is temporary. But when we take our last breath or when Jesus returns, we're not going to have to deal with this anymore. Mm. And it's such a wonderful, hopeful thing that keeps me going. And that's why I've been celibate probably 12, 13, 14 years now. And I have no desire to go back into that life. It's such a, it's such freedom mm. to be out of that bondage. So please, uh, Share the truth of God's Word with them, but do it in love, but give them some hope as well. Can you explain to me what you mean by um, the idea that those of us, meaning you, George, and maybe a Laura Perry or maybe you know a former lesbian who is now saved and a Christian, those of you who could really help are not usually welcome in churches to even share your testimonies and to maybe provide some of those answers. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes, it's sad. And I have honestly heard pastors say this, or I've had my LGBT friends or those who've left the life say this. They will go to a pastor and they will either just be given some ex-gay ministry stuff and they're not counseled. They just want you to go away. Let's not talk about this. Or I've actually heard say, uh, we don't deal with that uh, here, you're on your own with that, or you're not welcome in the church. This is this is the message that is being given given to the LGBT individuals who are trying to escape that life and so desperately want to to come back to God, but they don't know how to get there. And understand when you've been through so through decades of programming like I was, it was really a transition and a process for God to detransition or to deprogram me of the lies that I had bought, even from the liberal theologians who push the gay is okay were under grace narrative. And so I want Christians to understand that in my book, From Queer to Christ, in the very back of the book, I take all of those talking points and I debunk them with Scripture. So if you have LGBT individuals in your life, familiarize yourself with those talking points, and that way when they throw that stuff at you, you can lovingly kind of disarm them and show them the truth of God's Word. And if you have numerous LGBT loved ones in your life, I also talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and hell. I do put the gospel in there and the plan of salvation. So I've done the work, and I did it because I knew once I distributed the books to my LGBT friends, at least they had all of the information, and if they chose to still reject the message, 
it was important that their blood was no longer on my hands because I do love my LGBT friends and I don't want them to die and go to hell. Mm. I want them to be able to have peace and freedom and to get out of that bondage. Amen. It's like, you know, we would look at this at drug uh, people that are addicted to drugs, addicts the same way. Uh, it's a different kind of addiction. And you're, you're right backing up to something you said earlier about those who maybe had years in adultery, in an adulterous affair. It is just as a horrendous a sin against God, but yet the church doesn't really look at it the same. Um, and part of the reason has nothing to do with the individual that's in the sin. I think part of the reason is the agenda has been forced on the public through entertainment, Hollywood, the public schools. It is forced. It is programmed. Like you said, you were programmed for decades. Um, adultery, you're not really programmed. We are all, you know, born with a sin nature and temptation will come our way at some point many times in life. Uh, but, and it's just something that's natural. I mean, I, sin is like, okay, this is our sin nature. The only way to be redeemed from that is through Christ. And then it's still a fight, as you can go to Romans uh, chapter 6 and 7, where Paul says, I'm doing the very things I don't want to do. Uh, I know what not to do, but I keep doing it. So we understand that sin is a constant battle. But it hasn't been looked at the same. Adultery has been minimized. But, George, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that because adultery was kind of not normalized in the church, but kind of it wasn't condemned in the same way, and there weren't as many efforts to really help men and or women who were caught in adultery, as now we're looking at the homosexual uh, lifestyle or the sin of homosexuality? Well, most heterosexual Christians, they struggle perhaps with this desire to want to go and have sex outside of marriage or struggle with having affairs and what have you. So we don't want to talk about that too much. But since homosexuality doesn't really hit home personally with them, it's easy to jump on that bandwagon and just beat the, the LGBT community down with a bunch of bats. <laughs> but understand, in God's eyes, sin is sin, and deliverance is deliverance. And all of the sin is offensive, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. But I, I find, David, for me, where I get really disgusted, and is that I see so much apathy in the church. And most of them have been beaten down with this agenda to the point of where they've just been steamrolled over. They just accept it. They're tired of the fight. And you can't do that. Thank God I had Christians who refused to buckle to this agenda and to political correctness. And they still continue to share the truth of God's Word with me in love. Because I would probably still be in that bondage. And I'm saying to Christians, you can't allow this agenda to beat you down and to think that it's okay. Understand, regardless of what you think or feel, or if you're trying to be a politically correct, woke Christian, because you're more concerned about how you look in the eyes of others versus how you appear to God, it's offensive, and it's, it's disgusting that you care more about what people think than what God thinks. Understand, those of us who have lived a life, what you're getting from Hollywood is a sanitized version. And so you go into the trenches, and you actually listen to the story of every ex-gay, lesbian, and transgender individual who has left that life, and they tell you the horror of what that life is really like and what you deal with, you would be mortified to think that you are affirming that life. Mm. You are pushing them into bondage and to, into further rebellion against God. So I encourage you, please, have the courage and the backbone to stand against this, get involved in the school board, stop this LGBT curriculum in the school system, Run for office on the local, state, national levels. If we could, if we could get Christians to get registered to vote and, and flood public offices, we could stop a lot of this agenda. But a lot of Christians are lukewarm and apathetic, and that's why we are in the state that we are in because they no longer care, and they're not taking action on what they know they could be doing. And um, we'll talk about that when we come back. We've got to take a break. George Carneal is our guest. The book is called From Queer to Christ. My Journey into the Light. We've got it linked up at StandUpForTheTruth.com in today's podcast notes. Uh, a little bit more about this. Um, we've got to wrap up this subject. A couple things to talk about. Before we tackle the sad story of Ravi Zacharias and the fall of Christian leaders, how do we process that? So much more on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. 
thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, George Carneal, author of the book From Queer to Christ, 25 years in the gay lifestyle. And as it says in uh, part of his bio, uh, quite amazing, through queer culture, fantasy land filled with drag queens, drugs, and dangerous encounters. Uh, you can read about that in his book, From Queer to Christ. But George, um, we do want to get to Ravi Zacharias and some specifics, but we really want to talk about the general, um, when a Christian leader falls, uh, we'll talk about legacy, talk about repentance, talk about how we are to process that. doesn't mean all Christian leaders are hypocritical. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But part of this LGBTQ agenda is transgender. Uh, that's T. That, the, the, the T was planted in there when they came up with LGBT. But now, in the last uh, five years, we've seen the rollout of this wickedness that basically starts with the premise that there is no God, and if there is, he didn't create us, male and female. So, George, this also gives the um, lesbian and gay community kind of a, a push. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on that before we move on, because this is such a th- this is confusing a lot of people. You can be in a homosexual uh, or adulterous lifestyle, sex outside of marriage, and not physically change your body with hormone treatments and surgeries that will scar you for life. You can be in other kinds of sins without doing this. So this transgender, um, I call it, it's a demonic agenda that can really wreck a person. I just want, because I know there were former transgenders at uh, the conference, uh, Reclaim It, that spoke. Just want to get your thoughts on that before we move on. Yes, it is a satanic agenda, and I wish Christians would understand. You really, I don't know, this is not to say people aren't awake, but if you knew the bigger picture of why they are pushing this agenda, because everything's going to be put eventually under that umbrella to where they will silence Christians and tell you that you are, what you are doing is, is hate speech. And if you knew the laws that were already being passed around other parts of the world, where now if you speak out against Islam or the LGBT agenda, the police will show up at your door and arrest you. If you... There are some countries where if you object to your child transitioning to the opposite sex, they will arrest you and take the child away from you. Don't think it's not going to happen here in America. They are going to continue to push this agenda because they really want to silence Christians and all opposition mm-hmm. to, I believe, the New World Order. And uh, yes. it's really dangerous, and people have got to get involved. You can't change your gender. I don't care what they say. You should listen to all of the horror stories of the former transgenders. Some aren't even religious, and they will come out and talk about their transition regret and, and the tears that they shed, and so many are suicidal, and the suicide rate is even higher amongst the trans individuals than it is the lesbian and gay population. It's really sad. We must fight back, but parents must also understand you need to engage with your children and find out what they are being taught in school. Yes. You know, there are, there are, there's material that is being used in elementary schools, very graphic material about oral, anal sex, and masturbation and homosexuality that most people would be arrested if they were to pass such information around. But because it's under the guise of learning and teaching materials in the school system, you'd be mortified to look at the cartoons that are so graphic about gay sex and anal sex and oral sex. It's disgusting. And I'm telling you, parents, find out what your kids are learning in schools. If they are in the public school system, they are being taught this. And if you can, get your children out of the school system and, and, and tutor them or private school them. And, you're, them. and you're not exaggerating, um, George, by when you describe some of that curriculum, that material that kids have been learning in schools under the guise of health or sex education. It is radicalized. Um, and you're right. We, <laughs> It's a lot of work, friends. It is, is potentially dis, uh, it, it's discouraging in a way that we've let it get this far and we've declined this low mor- uh, in our morality here in America and our culture. But we've got to get back to the basics. And we know national elections, we can vote, and so much is out of our control, and that's for another conversation. Uh, but we're talking about the principals and schools, mayors, school boards, 
um, state legislatures. Uh, there's so many, even coaches. Uh, we've got to understand all, all these people got in position in some way, and we've got to not only pray that God would change people's hearts so that they would not be uh, driving these kids in the wrong direction with the warped worldview, but that Christians would come to have some of these positions and, and uh, be appointed to some of these, even in schools. But that's a tall order, uh, George, because as we've talked about before, the left controls the culture. I can't say it's lost forever, but for all practical purposes, if there was a culture war, which many of us have uh, you know, alluded to or described or talked about, it is lost. So what do we do with that, knowing that? That doesn't mean that Christ is off his throne. That doesn't mean that the power of God no longer works. That doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. And I would love for you to wrap up just this part of the conversation with your thoughts on people, whether it's the LGBTQ lifestyle or dealing with these issues at the local level in the, in the schools. Just wrap up what you said when we were on break on how we can kind of just at least encourage people that it's not over. It is a lot. Of, there's a lot of work ahead, but it's not over. I would say to Christians, please have the boldness that so many of the prophets and the apostles and disciples had in God's Word. You know, when I try to talk to LGBT individuals and tell them the truth, some will listen, some get angry, some throw a tantrum, and some won't talk to me. But I don't take it personally. You have to understand it is spiritual warfare. The enemy does not want them to hear the truth. Amen. It just plant the seed. It's not your job to change them. That's God's job. God will water it. And so I just plant the seed, and if they react negatively, I still try to show them love. I just kind of, you know, kick the dust off. You have so many people who need to hear the truth, but you never know when God's going to put someone in your path who is ready to hear it, that they've already been prepped by others who attempted to tell them the truth. And here you have a chance to lovingly lead them to Christ. The main thing is that they come to know Christ. Them being perfect is not the goal and leaving that life as much as it is coming to know Christ first, because then that will unlock the power of the Holy Spirit to start working in their life. So please, don't give up. Be bold. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Amen. Thank you, George. Um, let's move on to a, a disturbing topic. <laughs> we, we've got to cover so many different things on this podcast because it is stand up for the truth. So we try to look at truth from God's Word and look at that perspective as we see what's happening around us, and that includes what happens in the church. And there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of hypocrisy. But please, before we get into this story on Ravi Zacharias, please do not fall for the lie that the left will try to, to accuse us all of being hypocritical because a Christian leader falls, or another Christian leader. If they all fell, that God would still be true and every man would be a liar, right? So let's talk about Ravi Zacharias. Um, George, it was really sad. Uh, he died, I believe, last May, if I remember right, of cancer. And toward the end of his um, life, there were some uh, accusations that, that were coming out against him. Um, let's just go to some thoughts that Natasha Crane shared on this. She said, Ravi Zacharias was one of the most well-known and respected apologists in the world. He passed away last year. Reports had been surfacing that there had been a pattern of sexual impropriety in his life, and his ministry, RZIM, hired an investigative firm to look into it. There's an extensive report that you can look up online, probably linked to so many different articles if you uh, look up Ravi Zacharias, and um, whether you put um, sexual uh, impropriety or sexual assault or whatever, um, you can look that up and you can see this extensive report. I read most of it, and it is heart-wrenching, friends. So it's a prolonged pattern of sin that was actively hidden from his family, his ministry, and his friends. And as Natasha Crane said, that... Not the fact that he sinned or that any of us would sin or fall into a sinful lifestyle or give in to temptation. But what's shocking is that he hid it from everyone so long. He went to great lengths to cover his tracks. And here's the sad part, George. As far as we know, there was no public repentance. There was never repentance for what he did. He went 
to his grave, hoping that people wouldn't find out the truth, apparently. And we don't know every detail. We don't know what happened the moment he died or on his deathbed. But before we get into what Natasha Crane writes, because I want to share more of her thoughts, just your overall reaction, George Carneal, to the fact that here's Christian leaders, and many of them have been going along, teaching the Bible. They've been saying, yes, you know, homosexuality is a sin and, you know, everything else. And they've been really strong on the word of God. What they have said was true all these years. And now we saw it last year with the guy up at Hillsong in New York. Uh, he, his lifestyle, you know, he fell. Now Ravi Zacharias, one of the most uh, critically acclaimed apologists in the world. George, your thoughts on Christian leaders when they fall? Well, it's a reminder that we need to stop putting people on pedestals, mm. that we are all fallible. We need to keep our our eyes focused on God. Um, you know, those who are in leadership positions, as you know, David, are targets mm. from yes. the enemy. Uh, even occultists and Satanists will tell you that. If they see a ministry that is successful, they will go into the church and try to divide and conquer or compromise that pastor. I know that for a fact. I've heard it from numerous former uh, Satanists and witches who will detail how they do it. Mm. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that that happened to him, but as you know, God's Word says what's done in the darkness will be brought to light. But I would still um, look at his overall body of work and still try to just encourage people that, hey, we're sinful, we all fail, we fall short, and mm. we have evidence of that by so many people in God's Word that he used. Amen. You can read all kinds of examples of leaders in the Bible that fell. And um, the key is, what do we do once um, that sin convicts us, the Holy Spirit convicts, uh, convicts us? In most cases, uh, we, we like to, to hide our sin. In most, most cases, it's got to be exposed by someone else, someone finding it out. And sadly, that appears to be the case in uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias. And here's what Natasha Crane uh, she wrote about him being trapped in this web of sin. Despite running a ministry that was focused on uh, sharing all the reasons why we should have and, and do have reason to believe Christianity is true, to always be ready to give an answer, to, to defend the faith. So she said, the question I would personally like answered is if Ravi Zacharias really believed what he preached or if he preached what he never believed to be true. I personally, and we don't know for sure, but I personally think that he actually believed what he was preaching. And you can believe what you're preaching and still fall into sin. Um, in either case, she said, what he did was horribly wrong. But there's an added layer of deception in preaching what you believe to be a false message on top of sexual abuse um, she says, I'm just going to wrap it up and go to kind of like one of her closing statements. She wrote a little bit more about it. We'll get to it in a minute. Here's what we have to do now. He's gone. Um, please be in prayer for his wife and his children. Um, they didn't see this coming. Uh, he was that good at hiding it from them. She said, I cannot imagine losing your husband, having all of this surface, and not being able to speak directly about it. My heart breaks for everyone involved. And there's more that she write, which we'll get to, three points. But, um, George, I think we need to address the fact that what you said was brilliant and profound, that we have been very good at putting leaders up on a pedestal, and maybe we do that in our own churches, don't we? And that's we've got to guard against that. I've seen enough people fall in ministry to where I'm not a person who puts someone on a pedestal. Amen. Um, you know, even I have been celibate for as long as I have. I don't get arrogant and think that there may not come a day of where I could be tempted and fall. Mm -hmm. So it really is that we all just need to lean in on God, stay close to Him, pray for each other, and understand that until we leave this earth, every one of us, we should not be judgmental and condemning as much as just understanding that any of us could fall at any time, and we should never get so complacent and arrogant and self-righteous to think that we are above falling amen and we are not and boy what a good reminder when these happen these things happen god can use this he uses a horrific 
event like this or someone else's life example to really warn the rest of us who are in Christ. And you know what? I was reading something. Um, Israel Wayne did an article on um, some of the ways that we get into heresy. Heresy isn't the issue here because Ravi Zacharias was not a heretic, but he was talking about um, how we are so tempted to fall when it comes to the Internet and the influences of Internet, whether that be images, whether that be pornography, or whether that just be something else that would draw us away from what is true. And, George, this goes kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the, the decades of programming, as you put it, and it's true, the decades starting in the 60s and 70s of LGBT influence in Hollywood and the media, my goodness, and uh, government schools. So two minutes left in this segment before we need to take another break. But how would you warn or encourage Christians against what we are so consumed with? And that is really what's on social media and the Internet, which can take us away from Christ. I've had to learn this myself. There are times where I just need a break from social media, and I really just have to get into God's Word and get myself calm and centered and to try to hear His voice. I think we are so distracted by pushing our kids into so many events, and we've got to go keep up with the Joneses, and we've got to mm. go to this party and this church function, this, that, and the other. And people are are doing, but they don't really have a real relationship with God. And it's it's sad. We really must shut out a lot of the noise and find some quiet time to get ourselves centered in Christ. Boy, and that's hard. It's hard. It's almost like you, you, you want to unplug from everything, but we really can't if we want to be informed, if we kind of want to communicate with people. That's kind of the way to do it today. Um, there, it's not a necessary evil. I hate those words. But um, it's just something we do. Um, George, we've got a minute left, so I don't want to get into this now, but when we come back from our break, I want to ask you about something you shared with me before we got on the air today. And that is, like many of the people I know, what Christian and a non-Christian who are struggling with a little, whether it's disappointment or disillusionment with the election last November and what happened with the fraud. It's a very real thing that we in America have to contend with. And I want to get your response on that. Just You can open up your heart and just share how you have been dealing with that when we come back. Um, Also, a couple more points from Natasha Crane on Ravi Zacharias. What about his materials? What about things he wrote? Is he going to be canceled now? More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Today's guest, George Carneal, his book is called From Queer to Christ. We're talking about uh, LGBT intolerance. We're talking about politics, and we're talking about thoughts on Ravi Zacharias and his fall. Um, and three more points from Natasha Crane, uh, something she wrote when we uh, finish up. In, in a couple minutes, but I would really want to go back to something that George said before we got on the air, because I really believe it's, it's what a lot of people I know are still dealing with, George, and that is we do trust God in all things. He is sovereign. Everything that happens in this country, everything that happens in our lives crosses his desk for approval for, for his purposes, and he can use whatever. But a lot of people are are a little dis, disillusioned about elections and voting. The integrity of the process is almost destroyed in a lot of people's minds. And you shared some very real thoughts before we got on air. I would love to give you an opportunity to right now to just be real and honest about what you have gone through. And even a lot of people have been depressed, and they're coming out of that. But how are you dealing with it? And let's uh, say what we need to say and try to move on together. Okay, well, excuse me if you hear a lot of bitterness in my tone, because I'm still bitter. Mm. Uh, but Be real. I was really, I was outraged, because we know that they stole the election. And I'm outraged that the crimes that they have committed against our president, against this country, against the American people, and not only that, but the crimes of humanity, against humanity, in terms of the child trafficking and the sex uh, sexual ritual sacrifice and the slaughter and murder and torture and rape of children, 
all of this just absolutely outrages me. Yes. And I, I just keep thinking, well, God, you're going to move, and you're going to move in a way that you used Moses to deliver the Israelites uh, from Pharaoh and get them out of Egypt. I don't understand how they were, are able to continue to get away with the crimes that they have committed when there is evidence. And yet we American people feel helpless and crippled and broken and, and powerless to do anything. And I'm, I'm really struggling with how do I control this rage and bitterness and anger and not develop that hardened heart as you talked about during the prayer, which was so needed. And I have to struggle against that, but I know so many Christians who are. I'm still trusting that God is going to move in a mighty way uh, soon, but if not, I also have to brace myself for the fact that if Biden stays in office, uh, America, as we know it, I think is over with. Mm. And that saddens me. I love my country. Thank you, George. We, um, everybody, I believe, that's listening uh, to this podcast, we've got people, thankfully, from all over the country who love America, not idolize or worship America. Let's clarify. We're not putting up the flag as an idol, but we, we bow before the cross and we put our hand on our heart and, or we kneel before the cross and we put our hand on our heart and respect the flag and, and what God has done in, in America. We don't idolize it, but we stand for truth and what America represents. I'm thinking about Isaiah 59. Uh, before we get back to, we're going to finish up the conversation with Ravi Zacharias. But this idea of justice, it says justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like people who are blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight among those who are healthy and we are like the dead. And then it goes on to say... um, for our wonderful acts have multiplied before you and our sins have testified against us for our wrongful acts. And this is, think about this in context of America. Our wrongful acts, our sins, are with us and we know our wrongdoings. Offending and denying the Lord and turning away from God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and utterly lying words from the heart, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and one who, and one who turns aside from evil makes himself prey. And now the Lord saw, and what, and it was displeasing in His sight that there was no justice. Understand that verse fifteen. The Lord saw that truth is lacking, and it was displeasing in His sight that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no one and was amazed that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. Garments of vengeance. He's talking about Jesus and wrapped himself with zeal as a cloak. And uh, then it goes on a little more, but the the idea is when there was no justice and truth, it says, was gone. It's like, what did he do? His own arm had to provide salvation. There's a verse in Isaiah 52.10 that says, The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 52.10, and we just read from Isaiah 59, starting in verse 9. So God knows that there is no justice right now. But he is a just and true and righteous God. His timing is perfect. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And we have to look at things in terms of eternity rather than an Americanized view just in our lifetime, in one section of time, it was just that's just my 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 thoughts. And completely went to Isaiah, and I said, I got to read this. So we could talk more about that, George. But I want to get back now, um, just to encourage friends that Christian leaders will continue to fall. There will be because men and women all around us we're human, and Christians do make mistakes. We fall, but we have a God that is forgiving. He welcomes us back like any prodigal. He wants us to return 
after we wallowed in our own slop. Um, so here, back to Ravi Zacharias. Now, what do we do? Do we cancel everything? And this is interesting with the cancel culture going on now. I just read another article that uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe has been canceled, and this is on Twitter. Uh, if you're familiar with Project Veritas. So mm-hmm. do we do that with Ravi Zacharias and his books? Well, here's what um, Natasha Crane said. I want to address the idea that to not continue recommending Ravi Zacharias' books is buying into secular cancel culture. Hold on now, friends. Hold on now. There's more. She says, cancel culture wants to eliminate individuals from having a voice because that voice disagrees ideologically. The motivation is a power grab, which is what the left is doing in America, to control a cultural narrative. And so in the case of Ravi Zacharias and his books, which his books, what he wrote, because he is a hypocrite or he fell into sin, doesn't mean that what he wrote was not true. But she says it's important to consider there's a difference between the books that you choose to have on your shelf versus books you would recommend to others. So now it's it's recommending. I would not recommend his books at this point. And she says the report shows that Ravi went into great lengths to hide his double life, his sexual impropriety with different women. He traveled with a personal masseuse and all these other things. And he had selfies and his he had four different phones. This went on for a long period of time. And eventually um, he died of cancer last May. Other Christian leaders have gone through something, whether it comes to adultery or sexual promiscuity, and they fell into temptation or an affair, and other Christian leaders had repented. We don't know that this is the case with Ravi Zacharias. Um, She says he went to the grave without doing any of this. Yes, God can use anything, and I'm not saying we should be on a crusade to destroy his books. But when I have a choice of many books to recommend, I'll choose the ones that don't come with a legacy containing this giant stumbling block. Finally, she wraps it up. And George Carneal, I want to get your thoughts. Um, there are many wonderful apologists at that ministry, RZIM. Abdu Murray is one of them, former Muslim. He has a lot to share about defending the faith in Christ. She said, I've met several of them, and my feelings about Ravi's materials do not extend to those produced by apologists who, as far as we know, had no involvement for any of this. So again, pray for Ravi Zacharias' wife and children who are probably still reeling from these awful revelations of his sexual infidelity. So, George Carneal, um, I know you probably have so many thoughts swirling around in your mind right now because um, you came out of this lifestyle where people were, were living and committed to you know, sexual behaviors that go against the Word of God, but this that's not unlike what a Christian leader was doing in his private life for years. And your thoughts on what um, Natasha Crane just shared? I think what she's saying is fair, but again, I would not taint everyone else who is involved with him and that ministry. I would still, you know, if they have not done those kinds of things, and, and they're truly walking with the Lord, and they're still preaching the gospel, continue to share what the work that they are doing so we can get the message out there. Mm-hmm. And I would say to those who are being confronted by the cancel culture and the LGBT community and, and how they talk about Christians being hypocrites, it's this is a chance for you to remind them that they are hypocrites as well. And I'll <laughs> give you examples. You know, the LGBT community talks about love, tolerance, inclusivity, uh, being patient, and we're, we we care about everyone, we love everyone. Hmm. But if that's the case, why do they attack LGBT individuals who choose that, to leave that life and follow Christ? Interesting. How does it hurt them that we follow Christ? Why is it that you will go and attack a Christian baker, but you won't go to a Jewish or a Muslim bakery and ask them to make the gay cake for you? There's such hypocrisy. It, it, there is such hypocrisy within that community, even within that community. You know, the lesbians don't hang out with the gays, the gays don't hang out with the lesbians, and then the lesbians have an issue with the transgender uh, individuals because this is really putting women's rights. So there's a lot of infighting even within the LGBT community. So if somebody is quick to point out hypocrisy, be 
you can point out their own hypocrisy and again show them the scripture about the beam in their own eye. That's excellent. <laughs> there is so much hypocrisy. They tend to be, yeah. they, they preach tolerance, but they are the left, not just to the LGBT community, but the left as a whole. They're some of the most intolerant people. Look at cancel culture. If that's not intolerant of people's free speech, it's like they're saying you cannot have even ideas that or beliefs that are different from ours. Disagreeing is one thing, and we should be able to have respectful conversations about things we disagree about. But to cancel someone from even saying it means that you're not worthy to be heard and people should disagree with you. George, we have um, about a minute and a half left. And just your final thoughts on how we can move forward as individual Christians, whatever our sphere of influence entails, with knowing that this is coming against us. A lot of it's prophetic, but we have not had true persecution as other nations do where Christians are imprisoned or tortured, or even killed for the faith. Your final thoughts, George? I would say to the Christian community, if we don't repent of our own sins and our own hateful and hard-hearted attitude towards the world and those who are in bondage and and get things right with God and start seeing a revival in this country, uh, I think that judgment is coming. It's not fair for God to allow America to get away with its sin. Hmm. when he judged Sodom and Gomorrah and Adam and Eve and the whole world with the flood and even the Israelites when they were in the desert. It would be unfair for him to judge them but not judge America. And if he didn't judge us, he would have to go back and apologize to them. Hmm. It is time for us to start taking this seriously. Jesus is returning soon. Hell is eternal, and it is horrific. People are lost. Stop worrying about the culture and what people think. It is not our job to be liked. It is our job to preach the gospel, and what to do with it is between them and God. But we must do it, and do it in love, and have compassion. George Carneal, I have nothing to add to that. That, that was excellent. Thank you so much. From Queer to Christ is the book. Uh, George, thank you for being with us. God bless you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. All right, tomorrow we've got Patrick Wood with us, Technocracy News and Trends, and also Citizens for Free Speech. That's a website of his. Also, No Masks for Kids. I believe it's nomasksforkids.com. So Patrick Wood is our guest tomorrow. You will hear from Terry James of Rapture Ready and his new book. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about him or talk with him on Wednesday, Thursday. Pastor Mike Abendroth will be back with us. And uh, Friday, we're still working that one out as well. But thank you guys so much. I just love what George Carneal shared at the end of the podcast. I've got to go back and listen to that wrap-up. Uh, it encouraged me uh, greatly. So thank you guys so much, not only for listening, but for sharing the podcast on social media and for your prayers. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.